Hi, my name is Hina Solanke. Welcome to The Phil Fabulous Show. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Phil Fabulous Show, a community to empower, inspire and uplift each other. Today you are in for a treat as I am speaking with Lola tomorrow. Lola was a former White House associate, a TEDx organiser, a philanthropist, a multi-million dollar event planner and the creator of Tomorrow Live. Lola, welcome. Lovely to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I'm so excited to learn about what you are doing in the um, White House. So before we talk about Tomorrow Live, I would really love to know more about that. So you're in, you're a former um, associate of the White House. What was your position there? I was an advanced associate. I basically worked on events outside of the White House um, on behalf of the First Lady, Michelle Obama. Wow. Okay. And how was that? It was amazing. The interesting part is that I, I was so young and when you are young and just, you know, traveling works and, and so now looking back, it's like, wow. But while I was in it, you're just so committed to the mission um, and so committed to, you know, serving leaders like the Obamas, you know, one people might feel one way when you experience them over the television or um, something virtually. But when you're working closely behind the scene with a solid leader who is the same person they show up to be publicly, it just fuels you and it motivates you to want to be connected to the cause and be laser focused on um, what the mission is. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, if you were really young, that all would have been like mentoring to you, wouldn't it? Oh, hands down. I say it all the time, like who I am today. Um, First Lady Obama indirectly mentored and groomed me into this person that I am. Um, wow. it, it didn't, you know, she was not my personal mentor. She didn't take me by the hand and say, come on, Lola. No, but just being in proximity of her, just seeing the way she responds to things, seeing her grace when people are saying offensive things and seeing how she responds under pressure and seeing how she values her family, like hands down, like mentorship at its finest, in my opinion. Yeah. And she's so graceful as well, isn't she? She always comes across graceful. And I think that's such a quality. If we can pick that up from anybody and be like that, I just think it's such a quality as a person in business, as as a human being. It's so important. So you're working. How long were you working with them? Um, I was there about seven years. Seven years. Wow. Okay. So I mean, you're working around them for seven years. That's quite a long time. You must have got really close with them. How did you how did you feel? How did it make you feel? I mean, you felt uplifted, but there must have been some down times as well. I mean, how how were your emotions? Yeah, I think my emotions would change probably from year to year um, because, you know, you can go easily from one year feeling like, oh, my God, I'm so motivated. I'm changing the world to the next year. Like, oh, this is a lot of work. Like, it's yeah. a lot of work. I'm overwhelmed. There's a lot to do. And so things will change from year to year. But um, 
I think that that's with anyone in any career, you know, things change for you. But I think the key was staying committed to the cause. You know, for me to this day, I'm in my mid thirties and I've never stayed at a job longer than two years. Um, I'm just the type of personality, you know, one, I was really built to be an entrepreneur, but two, I get bored very easily. And for me to say that I stayed with them for seven years, that's pretty remarkable. I've never even stayed in an apartment or a house longer than two to three years. I am a person that loves change. And for me to really um, dig in with them really just showed the essence of really who they were and um, the mission that was there that was really bigger than all of us. And if you really think about it, like, the, you know, the Obamas um, have done some amazing things. The Obama administration did some great things. But for me, the mission was bigger than even the Obamas. It was really about serving people and serving people well. And that was the core of their hearts. And yes. it was easy to just serve that type of those type of leaders. Yes, there would have been times where you probably didn't completely agree with what was going on or what 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 was being fulfilled. Can you recall any of those times? I understand you can't you can't discuss fully everything, but there must surely have been times because we're human beings. We don't all agree with everything. But were there any times where you felt, oh, I'm not sure? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so I think that, so a little bit about my background. I was born and raised um, like literally in church. When some people say that, they just mean they've been to church all their life. No, 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 I was born and raised in church all of my life. And so there were a lot of different things that, um, in which I now look at as unhealthy thinking um, that I used to have about certain things and certain topics and certain conversations that really came from a level of um, what I consider is just not balanced practical thinking for um, the United States at large. Like everyone here in the world, they're not Christians, right? We have many different religions. We have many different faiths and all that good stuff. And so there will be times where I would have or feel like my faith and maybe what I believed in would come up. And in those moments, you know, one, I think it took a level of emotional and mental maturity because I think a lot of people deal with this because in those moments, I had to remind myself, like, they are not pastoring the United States of America, right? Yes. Like he is not in position to be someone's spiritual leader. He is yes. in position to lead the free world. And in leading the free world, I don't know about other people in their particular faith. I choose to believe what I believe. I choose to practice the lifestyle that I, I choose. And so the same way I have that freedom of choice, I had to begin to evolve as not only a believer, but even as a mature businesswoman to understand that there is power and there is a necessity for me, in my opinion, for people to have freedom of choice for whatever it looks like for people. So there were many times where it really shaped and helped me stretch and develop as a leader um, with many different things. And I think, you know, another cool thing is like, you know, who's worked a job where you've 
So um, what I also think is important is that, you know, we have to understand whether you're working a job with the first lady and the president of the United States or you're working a job as a cashier at McDonald's. Like not everything that goes on around us are things that we agree with necessarily. There are situations maybe I thought we should have had red tablecloths, but everyone else thought we should have had blue tablecloths. But is that enough to be offended by or is that just a a different of um, opinions? And so I really think this role really grew me up as a professional and really grew me up as a person that, you know, I want to impact people. And as I'm impacting people, I think it's important that you embrace differences of opinions, like differences of opinions is not a bad thing. Um, It's about though we might have a difference of opinion, us still showing respect and still giving um, that person or that group of individuals still a certain level of respect, though we might not agree. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, 100%. I really agree with that. So I suppose the position would have really caught, would have just sort of made self-reflection happen and just evolve in yourself. As you said, you kind of grew up in the position. So in the position for seven years, there must, can you name any times where, where you, I wouldn't say massive errors, but you kind of like made a bit of a blunder, which in the UK would kind of say like a bit of an error. Can you recall any times or any situations where, you know, you were maybe a bit panicked by a a decision that you'd made, which wasn't quite um, right? Or, you know, can you recall any of those situations that you can share with us? Sure, absolutely. Um, First of all, I've made a ton of mistakes, but there's one (laughs) was probably um, a really strong growing opportunity for me. So this was my first time. So in the world of advanced, um, you have different levels that you serve at. So for years, I served at pretty much the level that you just do whatever other people don't want to do. Okay. Um, Lola, go get the coffee. Lola, go get this. And so, but this particular event was my first time leading an event. So I was what they called it the site lead. So I was responsible for every single detail. This was probably maybe after two years doing advanced work. At this event, I get a phone call that the first lady is hungry and she wants to eat. And, you know, my response was, you know, they were in Air Force One. My response was, what does she want to eat? And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just get her something. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, this is like, this is <laughs> feeding my nephew chicken nuggets. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I get with the chef at the restaurant that we were having an event at. Steak and all this whole little, you know, get credit because he was excited. Um, the first lady gets on site. She gets to her hotel room. They call me. Okay. She was ready for her food. I'm headed to the room with the wait staff to take her her food. She gets the food. She opens the salad and the chef had prepared a special house beet salad that had beets all throughout. It looked beautiful. But what I didn't know is that she didn't like beets. Okay. Oh and my so gosh. They, you have to take the salad back because she doesn't like beets. And I think that moment for a person that is such a perfectionist like myself, well, I'm a recovering perfectionist. In that moment, I mean, I felt so little. And here's the thing, because this is the thing that I love so much about the first lady is that in every moment she's teaching without even saying anything. Because in that moment, you guys just think about this. Everybody who's listening, I want you to just think about this. How are you after traveling all day 
it's, it's now evening time. You have not had any food and you're hangry. Potentially I get hangry. Not everybody gets hangry. Yeah. How are yeah. you when your food finally comes and it's not right? What is your response? How do you respond? What is your posture? What is your body language? And when I tell you, though I knew she was hungry, though I knew she probably felt she was so gracious. I mean, there was nothing but grace that I felt coming from her. I mean, she was so gracious. When a person is that gracious, it makes you beat yourself up even more. It's like, oh my gosh. gosh. What I really begin to see is that, you know, and this is really a lesson that I hope that others are able to really take um, from my experience. Everybody is saying that they're ready for the next level. Everybody is either praying for the next level or declaring or making an affirmation or trying to manifest the next level. But the reality of it is, is that the next level requires you to show up differently. And what that means is I was in a position where I was serving the first lady of the United States of America. And I did not do the due diligence just to see what she did and did not like to eat. I didn't ask the right questions. And so there was some layer of responsibility that was on me. This is not like serving your auntie (laughs) or serving someone else. Like there was a layer of responsibility that I should have asked key questions. Did she have allergies? I could have gave her something that she was completely allergic to. I didn't know because I didn't ask. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. The point that I'm making is that was a lesson that was, I really learned that when you are really saying that you want access to this next level, this access to the next level requires you to show up differently. It requires you to do more work while others would normally just show up. You have to show up with your work done and your research done. So it was a great learning experience for me. Wow. My gosh, that's so powerful. It's powerful on your side um, from, like you said, about showing up the way, you know, do your research. But it's also powerful about the way she reacted, how graceful she was. And you actually seriously made me question myself then. How would I react? And I'm not sure that I may have been that graceful. Me too. That's just so <laughs> powerful. Too. Wow. That's just that's so that's really amazing. So you, you were there for seven years. What, and then you left. What what made you leave? Well, actually, um, it was the end of the the term. Um, and uh-huh. generally, when when the president his his the the team generally leaves with them. Um, right. so it was the okay. end of the term. On top of that, um, I also had started a nonprofit organization. So I was back in Chicago working full time for my nonprofit at the time. Right. Okay. I understand totally. And are you still in contact with them? Do you have any contact with them still? With no, your not directly. Uh, I, yeah, not directly. I don't. I still have contact to their team or even yes. people that I worked directly with when I was there. Yeah, absolutely. But not the, I always say this because I think sometimes in um, people's minds, they, they feel like um, the situation is kind of like working a normal job is very different. Even though I saw the first lady a lot, I interacted with her a lot. Um, it wasn't when, when we interacted, just imagine um, the only example I can give is imagine you interacting with me at the Grammy Awards okay. every year. So it's quite the busyness it's formal. The busyness of what's happening around us, it's not like we're interacting and it's just us sitting in the library somewhere. The busyness of everything around us really blocks levels of like deep, intimate relationships with a person. Whereas if she saw me, would she recognize me? Of course, because she saw me a lot. Um, But would it be like, oh, 
come here. <laughs> not because she's not loving like that, but because of the type of work that we did and how we did it. It was always bid the busyness of our environments where those intimate relationships. It's hard to breed in intimate relationships when you walk in the red carpet at the Grammys, right? Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. If, if that totally, totally makes sense. It was, it was, it was a formal relationship, so I get that totally. That makes sense. So I'd love to move on now. So because you've got some lots of exciting things to talk about, and I'm dying to know about the summit which just went on. But then you you talked about the nonprofit um, organization, and is that tomorrow live? No, my nonprofit is I Glow Girls, and it's a mentoring organization for inner city teen girls. Wow. Okay. So firstly, let's touch on that, if you don't mind. Let's talk about that, and then let's talk about Tomorrow Live. So could you could you um, explain to the listeners exactly what that's about and who you're helping and why and how people can contact or contribute or sponsor or whatever needs to be done? Absolutely. So I run a nonprofit organization for inner city teen girls of color. We serve a little over 5,000 girls throughout the Chicagoland area. You know, when I started this organization, I was very clear. I grew up in the south side, on the south side of Chicago. I was a pretty average student, B average student. I went to college. I didn't even go to an Ivy League school. I went to a pretty normal college. And within my first semester, I was on academic probation. My second semester, I was dismissed. My counselor, my academic advisor actually sat me down and said, listen, African-American students coming from the inner city in Chicago are just not ready for college. Ninety eight percent of the students come into this university from Chicago public schools end up dismissed because they're not ready. So my advice, you go to a two year college and after going to a two year college, you then come back here. And that was the first time in my life because I grew up in an environment where I was always around people that looked like me. This was the first time I went to a college that had less than 1% African-American students. The first time I was at a college over 20,000 students and it was less than 1% that was African-American. I was in an environment that people didn't look like me. And I didn't really know what... what rate racism really was. I mean, you know what it is on TV or um, discrimination or I didn't, I wasn't really sure. exposed to all of that because of how I grew up. I grew up in a middle class. I didn't grow up in um, any levels of poverty. I grew up in a middle class. I had two working parents. My mom was a teacher. My dad was an engineer. So uh, my life was a lot different than I had a two parent household. My life was a yeah. lot different than other people. So I didn't, I thought I was different. And that was the reality that hit me that I still was a black girl. And because yes. of the color yeah. of my skin and the zip code that I was in, I was not given the same resources that students who looked different than I did, who lived in a different zip code, I was not given the same resources. And you know, that fueled me. I was so angry. You know, I was 17, I went to college when I was 17 years old, and I was right. so angry. I stopped the university of the president, I mean, of the um, the president of the university. Now, keep in mind, it's over 20,000 students. So you have to know the president of a university this large is pretty business, busy. I saw him on campus and I walked up to him and I was crying. 
And I was saying that it's not fair that I am treated differently because I am a black girl. I am smart. I know I can do this work. I didn't know I wasn't prepared because you got to think about it. I graduated from high school with a 3.3 GPA. How is someone who graduated with a 3.3 GPA goes to college and they can't make it past the first semester? It's because we were in a system that was just pushing us through. We were not in a system that was really educating us. And so yes. after I graduated, I went to this president. He got me back in school and he said, young lady, I'm going to get you back in school. And I want your promise to be that you will graduate in four years and you will graduate with at least a 3.0 GPA. I promised oh. him I would do it. And I did it. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And oh my gosh, I, that's amazing. I knew, I knew that I had to come back into my community and make sure girls that look like me have access to those same resources, have access to basic resources. I'm not even talking about anything special. I'm talking about access to college readiness, working with things that are getting them ready to compete or just even perform in college at the same level of a young lady who might be from a suburban area who has two white parents. And so when I created this organization, my main goal was just to get my girls ready. I had no idea it would turn into this massive movement where we're able to do this amazing work. Last year, I took 20, right before coronavirus hit, I took 21 teen girls to London and Paris. These were girls that had never been outside of the city of Chicago. These were oh, girls that know what it's like to travel. We got their passport. We took them out of the country so that they can experience new things. So I've done a lot of impressive things, you know, working for the first lady, the Grammys, the Oscar. I've done a lot of impressive things, but I must say this is the work I'm most proud of because this yes. is the work that's going to outlive me. One day there's not going to be breath in my body. And when that day happens, I currently have over 5,000 teen girls that I am instilling in them, not just you getting access to resources, but God is giving you the resources. So you go back and give access. And so we create this legacy of humans that are coming up that understands the importance of giving back and not just giving back. You know, I tell my girls this all the time um, because now we have all types of girls in our program. They're all girls of color. But I tell my girls this all the time, like us not being blinded by just race, like, oh, I can only help someone else that's black, but like us just being good humans. <laughs> and if you see yeah, someone in yeah. need, regardless of their color, help them. And so I'm really proud about that work. And um, that's iglowgirls.org for more information about the great work we do with girls. That's totally amazing. That's just, oh my gosh, thank you so much for that work you're doing. I can honestly say, I, I mean, I, I can resonate with a lot of that. It's not about me, this story, but it, I can really resonate with that. So thank you so much. That's just absolutely incredible the work you're doing and, and the people that you're helping you know this it is a legacy so it's just going to filter on um so it, it takes it takes somebody to start these things and it just goes on so thank you very much so you recently had let's talk about tomorrow life because that's really interesting um you just finished a summit with some incredible speakers could you tell us more about that yeah so tomorrow live was a conference is a conference that i am hosting yearly for women of faith in business I personally feel a call to help tool and equip women of faith to really scale their business to the next level and to be able to have access to more resources and opportunities so that they can do the amazing work they're called to do. And so when I really came up with this business, I really wanted it to be something that was different. And when I say different, something that you've never seen before, the market of events are oversaturated. Like the tons of events always happening. 
So to be, um, to stay in that vein, I wanted to work with speakers that are not in the speaker market like that. And the one speaker that I had that I could not let go of was Chris Jenner. And so yeah. I got Chris Jenner and I paired her with um, a pastor by the name of Pastor Sarah Jakes Roberts. They both were our keynote speakers. Chris led the segment on business and Pastor Sarah led the segment on faith. And right. it was just really amazing experience i did not expect my first event to turn out like it did to be honest oh. um but really a true testament of when you move with that divine voice that you hear in the inside sometimes it doesn't make sense sometimes it's very scary but kind of flowing in that direction um i've learned that that's where true prosperity is yeah i 100 believe in that so is this something you're going to be doing regularly are you going to do them yearly Yes. So yes, we're already, um, we're actually headed out of the country in a few weeks to um, do a site visit for next year's event because next year is going to be in person. And so this will be an experience that will happen yearly. That's just incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And I mean, you said you grew up in, in church. So that's obviously what led you to do a faith-led uh, summit or conference to help um, you know, to help people with faith in business. Is, is that correct? Yeah, it's partially correct. Um, and I say partially because um, this is what I think is important. The first thing is that for the women that I'm called to, they are not just interested in having more money and growing their business to be more profitable so that they can just have nice cars and nice purses and nice designer things. It's not that we won't have those. We'll absolutely have those, but that's not our why. Our why is because we want to create generational wealth, generational legacy. Our why is because we want to come into our communities and yes, we'll pray for more money through our business. Gives us more ways to employ more people. Gives us more ways to help when catastrophes happen. And so that's really why I wanted to zone in on this particular group. I could have easily just put an event or just put a business together for women in business. But I wanted to zone in on this group because I want to work with people that feel called and driven and led to do more than just have for themselves. Yeah, that's amazing. And don't you feel at a time, in this time right now that we're in, more and more people are getting to getting familiar with their why and they're really following their purpose, following their path, rather than their corporate calling, um, wherever it is. People are genuinely starting to follow their purpose. So this is really to support people like that, isn't it? Absolutely. Not even just that, you know, this is one of the people talk to me all the time, like, Lola, how do I find my purpose? How do I get in my purpose? And this is the biggest lesson that I have personally learned. And I pray that everybody here listening to me really embrace this. I spent at least 10 years exhausting myself looking for my purpose. Like, Where's my purpose? Where is it? What am I here for? Show me, tell me. And it's one of those things where it's almost like when you really think about it, it's it's like the way we treat finding our purpose, quote unquote, is like it's a game, like it's running from us and trying to hide from us. And you know what I realized is that my purpose is has always been right there in the moment. Purpose is not a destination, it's the journey. So in the moment while I was searching, my purpose was actually resting in my now identifying what's in my hand in my now and starting there 
and allowing that to evolve. And so I don't have to, and I teach this very often to the women that I mentor, is that you don't have to find purpose. You just rest in purpose. And as you're resting, what starts to happen is you start to get the blueprint for your purpose. You start to get more clarity. You start to get more understanding as you go. And so there's this thing where it's like, oh, you're supposed to wake up one day. It's like, aha, I'm on earth to do this. And it's like, sometimes, you you know, when I started 15 years ago, I thought my purpose was one thing. And you know what? It evolved into something else. So what yeah. happens is when you rest in the moment, it gives space for evolution. It gives yeah. space to evolve in it versus us putting this pressure on ourselves to just get it right today. And so that's one thing I've learned about purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I can totally agree with that. I'm, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you and I can say that definitely purpose starts at one place. And like you said, just flow with it. Don't don't overthink it. Don't concentrate about what is my purpose. And like you said, eh, what is my purpose? No, just flow with it. Your purpose is there and, and you, you will flow into it. But it doesn't mean that's it. You evolve and your purpose evolves and you grow into different things and, and you, you, you outreach into different areas. So I completely agree with that. And I just think it's I just think your work is really amazing. I mean, I did hear you, um, you know, on Clubhouse and I just thought, oh, my gosh, Lola is amazing. What you're doing is, is just it's just phenomenal. And I really support and I'd love to support you in any way I can. So definitely if you're coming to London, definitely hit me up. Um, Lola, is there so what, what's the, you've got an event coming up? which um, hopefully will be a, a real live event. But what else? What, 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 what is the future? Yeah, so I'm working on my first book that should be ready by this uh, fall. Um, I'm also working on just some, you know, projects. I'm really just, what we just did for women in business, I am just really fueled to really just do everything that I feel like it's in my heart. And so this Amazing. year I'm working on my first book. I'm um, finishing up some different secret projects that I'm working for women to really help them get to the next level. That's incredible. I, I thank you so much, um, Lola, for joining me today. Uh, it's just been, it's just been so interesting listening to how your journey started to where you are and, and the lessons learned throughout it and about the purpose. So I always love to end an interview by just asking you, this is a Feel Fabulous podcast. What does Feel Fabulous mean to you? Feel fabulous. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I think that just means to show up and be, being present. That's what that means for me. Like Amazing. the power of being present. I struggle with that. And so I'm learning that there's so much joy and there's so much bliss and just learning to be present. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Lola. For listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. This has just been an incredible, um, incredible masterclass. How can uh, the listeners find you, Lola? I can be found on all social media outlets as Lola Tomorrow. Um, that's T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W. And Lola is L-O-L-A. Okay, wonderful. The links will all be put into the show notes anyway. But Lola, I just want to say thank you so much. It's been such an honor to have you on my show. And um, yeah, just to hear you talk about all the things you have. I'm so grateful. So thank you so much. 
Absolutely. My story is just my story without people like you helping me get it out. So really, it's an honor for me. So thank you for letting me share my story. 